Welcome. Uh, Derek and Beth are in Tallahassee. They're bringing their oldest son, Jack, back down to uh, school and to visit some family. So you guys got me today. Sorry. Um, if, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks or months, over the last two months, we've been in the, uh, what's Derek called the Reverb series, The Echo of Grace. And it's been super cool. Oh, you know what else I wanted to say? Were you watching any of the people up here? Like, I mean, yeah, you were, but like, did you notice the amount of worshiping happening? Like, they're actually worshiping while they're leading us in worship. They're just amazing people. I mean, I just, and Leslie, like, when she comes up, I mean, she should probably be up here talking, not me. I'm all over the place, and she's like pointed, speaking truth. It's like, why do they give this guy the microphone? So dumb. But reverb, reverb, echo of grace. Uh, it's been fantastic. Derek has masterfully, on uh, so many ways, just painted this different picture for us of what that reverb looks like. I'm going to do a quick recap. We started with the echo of grace, how God's grace flows in and out and moves and reverberates in our world around us to people. He talked about co- confident humility, uh, living where people can see, like the city on the hill, light of the world stuff, fantastic. I got to speak about grace having gravity and attraction. Oh, man, if you missed the truth and tears message he gave, go back and listen to it. It's phenomenal. The whole idea that we have to bring the truth of Jesus to people, but we have to be with them. We have to be in their lives. We have to have tears when they have tears. Super duper good. Uh, he's so good. Orbit. Last week, he getting or, people orbiting into our world, right? And he kind of, if you weren't, if you didn't listen to that one, great. Go listen to it. Uh, he redefines what the word hospitality means in Scripture about not just about hanging out with people that you like, but it's like this call to uh, invite and include the outsider, the alien, all this stuff, right? So if you haven't, all that stuff is the summary. That's what we've been talking about. It, it, there's, there's one main thing that surfaces throughout the whole thing, and it's always about others, about people, about those around us. The constant theme of this echo of grace reverb is about others and them feeling God, and who is the closest people besides the people in our house? Our neighbors, right? So we have the people in our house. When we're at home where we spend a lot of time, the closest people that we're actually physically in orbit with are the people that live right next to us, our neighbors. So today's message, the summary of of Reverb is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, emphasis on yourself. Um, So Sarah and I, we got married when we were really young, like 21, I think. It's been a long time. (laughs) Were we 21? Okay, 21. And only a year. So we got married and we had Asher. And uh, like a year later, we were barely uh, almost 23 when he was born. And you know how it is with your new family and all that kind of stuff. And you want to have a home. So I remember when we bought our first home, we lived on San Pablo in this neighborhood called the Villages of Pablo. And it was great. Like, I learned how to be a man when I got that house. You know, like, stuff, like the light bulb. Like, when you're younger, you don't really know how to do anything. You know, it's like, you flip the light switch and it just should just work. You've, when it's your house and you flip it and it doesn't come on, you're like, oh, God. You know, like, I, I'm responsible for this, too. You know, like, you le- I learned how to do so much stuff in this house. But you've, if you've ever moved, which you all have, moving stinks. And so we got this house and we were like, Asher was probably three. Kaylee was like a, just a baby. So it was just the four of us. And we move into this house. And you know how it goes. It stinks. Like you're just so tired. It gets late. 
you just want to, you know, boxes everywhere. All of a sudden, like the, first, the very first night we lived in this house, we lived there for 12 years, knock on the door, bum, 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 go open the door, and there is this very tall man with a huge smile on his face, and he's wearing a headlight with the light on. He goes, hey, how you doing? I'm your neighbor, Matt. Uh, can I go in your backyard and get a lemon off your lemon tree? And I was like, who is it? We, I didn't even know I had a lemon tree yet. And he's like wanting to go and get my lemon, right? And so it, that was like the first interaction with the most amazing neighbor there's ever, ever been in the history of neighbors. This guy, Matt, was unbelievable. He, he was so, he loved me and my kids I swear as much as he loves himself. He loved these kids. He, I remember when I first told him Asher's name, Asher's middle name is Jude, Asher Jude. He thought I said Asher Dude. So that became Asher's nickname, was Asher Dude. He, every time he'd see him, he actually lived three houses over. From his driveway, he would have a full conversation with you, actually asking about your day. So tell me how it's going, like screaming though. So how was your day? How was that jerk next to you in the office? Did he wear you out today? Like screaming it, like the whole neighborhood could hear, but he actually cared. I mean, he loved uh, Kaylee so much. He still does. But So there was a song, and to this day I can't remember what the song was, but when she was a baby, there was a, this song that was popular, and the, the melody was like, doo-doo-doo, or something. It's terrible. But it, I attra- attached that to her, and she got this nickname that was doot-doot, and I didn't say poop-poop. Doot dude. So I would call, that was like my little pet name for my little baby girl, my chubby little cute baby. And I called her Doot Doot. Matt started calling her Doot Doot, which sounds a little scre- creepy, but he like loved her too. You know, like Kennedy, oh my gosh, when we adopted Kennedy, we're coming, we're coming out of the airport, we're walking down the hall, all the families there holding signs. We got this new addition to our family. And there's Matt, huge Matt in the middle of everyone just oh, cry, like is so happy. For, and he's my neighbor. I never met him in my life before that. He is not a part of my blood family, and he's crying more than anyone, just like, oh. He gave Kennedy a nickname. I didn't even get to give my own kid a nickname. It was Captain Red Boots. Kennedy came and wore these little red boots, and he's like, Captain Red Boots, and he just, that was it. Like, this guy's even stealing my kid's pet names, you know? Um, Dude, he was amazing. I remember one day we came home. uh, I was at home, and my neighbor next to me was putting shingles on his roof, repair, right? Matt pulls up in his driveway, full business suit, because he worked in an office, sees this happening, runs over, throws shingles on his suit clothes, and starts climbing. I mean, he was just, this was the guy. You know, we were young, poor, refrigerator breaks down. I'm all stressed about it. I tell him about it. He doesn't say anything. He leaves, drives all the way to Ponte Vedra, and he, <clears throat> he knew that his parents had an extra fridge. He went and got me a fridge. Like, he cared so much. I mean, I became a fire. I I could go on about this, and I am a little bit longer, but you got to feel what Matt was and still is. But I became a fireman, right? So Sarah and I were young, and she was a little uneasy with me being gone so much. We have little kids and everything. So she would ask Matt if he could come and check the backyard for her when I wasn't home before she would go to bed. And she, and he, she said she did it because it did give her a sense of peace, but she said she knew that he would love to do it. <laughs> so he would be like, and he's big, intimidating guy. I mean, he would be back there. I had another guardian. I had someone else that loved my family like they were his family, that lived right there. I mean, he was an amazing guy. He, um, this is the, listen to this one. This is really going to blow your mind, and I'll be done with Matt. His, his wife told Sarah one time that Matt actually made a, a map of our street with all the different houses, and he wrote everybody's name in there because he wanted to remember everybody's name. 
because he knew how important it was for people to hear their own name sometimes, right? This is Matt. You ready for the big one? Matt wasn't a Christian. He was not a Christian. He had a depth of spirituality that was amazing, and we would talk about that stuff for hours, but he didn't have faith in Jesus. He didn't ever believe or hear the call of God to love your neighbor as yourself. He was the best example of that I've ever seen, and he wasn't even a Christian. And what if I told you I've lived in my house in Neptune Beach for almost five years? The neighbor to my east, his name's Rocky. I don't even know his last name. I talk to him every day. I don't know what his last name is. I've never invited him into my house for dinner. He's never even been in my house. You don't want to make, you, I'll make it even worse for you. I bet he has no idea that I'm even a pastor. And I talk to him every single day that I'm home. I don't. I shouldn't even be up here. We should bring Leslie back up here. I'm not qualified to do this kind of talking, you know? It's like, I don't even know his, I don't even know his last name, let alone do the things that, that we're talking about today. Matt was not a Christian. But let me ask you guys, let's think about this together. What if that's what, we're, what, if that's what it's supposed to look like? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the Christians really did even a little bit of what Matt did and loved their neighbors as themselves, what would they say about Jesus? What would the world say about Jesus, the church, and this kingdom, of this gospel thing, if all the Christians were living and loving and doing like that? Where they were just always there, always comforting, willing to help, protective, all of those things. What would they say about Jesus if the mission house called and said, look, can you tell the Christians to stop bringing us shampoo? We have nowhere. They've brought us so much we can't keep it. Where the Carver Center is like, look, we are booked out for months with people wanting to tutor these kids. Ocean City Church, other churches, stop coming here. We'll call you. There's too many of you. You guys are just loving everybody. Right? I mean, yeah, that sounds great, but what if that's what it's supposed to be like? What if that's what he meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself? Can we, could we get to that place? Why not? Why not? I'm not this type of neighbor. Maybe you guys are this type of neighbor, but if we were honest, if I was honest, I don't like a lot of my neighbors. Um, and most of us have never seen a Matt Orem, and if he lived next to us in today's world, we'd probably be irritated with him, you know? We really wouldn't want to be around him. Why is that? Why is it that, why are we not living like this, Right? Why are we not? Because it's messy. Relationships with people's messy, right? It's hard. They're weird. You know, it's hard to build a relationship with somebody that's, that's weird, you know? But it's more than that, isn't it? It's because we're lovers of our own selves. We just, we've, become, we've become self-absorbed. We love ourselves first. Wow, maybe that's, maybe that's what God meant when he said, love your neighbor as you love your own self. Can you... Put those two good words together for a second. Does he know? He knows what we're like. He knows that we will always, if we are left alone to our own devices, we're going to lean and fall into taking care of us first and loving us first. And he said, you know how that feels when you fall, when you lean into loving yourself? Do that. Do that for your neighbor. Do that for your people. God's amazing. Two words that shouldn't go together, and he makes them work. The Bible's a mind blower. But you know what else? It's even bigger than this in today's culture. We're really not interested in building relationships because we have so much access to fake ones. We have created for ourselves a false and fake social structure because it's easier. Instagram, Facebook, 
tweeter, tweeting, right? What do we do? We put a little thumbs up button on the Instagram and we feel all good, like, oh, I just loved them a little bit. No, you didn't. We don't even know, you don't, you're not knowing them. You just, or you put a little like nice comment like, beautiful family, like somehow you have a relationship with them or their family. You don't. We've, we've made this easy, but I think we have forgotten actually how to know people. We've forgotten the skills it takes to actually get to know somebody else. At least my generation still knows them. We know them, we just don't want to do them because it's hard and we're tired. But the younger, younger ones, they, I, I swear, we got a problem. They don't even know how to talk to each other. I'm going to make fun of Asher for a second. One time, uh, Asher was dealing with something with his buddy, and he was like, I need to, we, uh, we need this, blah, blah, blah. It was nothing, and there was no big problem. But I was like, well, why, well, communicate with him. Why don't you call him? No. We'll text message him. No. You know what Asher did? He snapped. What the heck is a snap anyway? Because I don't have that. But it's like, they don't even communicate anymore. They just snap each other's faces and they're like, with like one word. Or no, their face and an emoji. It's like, what the heck has happened to people? We don't even know how to build relationships or talk to one another anymore. But this is a problem. I, was, I said this in the first service. I was going to do, you know, Derek is so much smarter than me. And he always puts up these super cool psychology quotes where it's like, this is the reason. And I was going to try to look that up, but I'm like, one, I don't even know how to find that information. <laughs> so he comes up with this stuff. I'm like, where do you have time to get this? But also, like, I didn't think I really needed to do it with this one because we all know there's a problem, right? We all see it. We do. Like, I don't think I need to tell you that there's an issue with the way we're loving our neighbors or not loving our neighbors. The problem is big for us, though. You know why? Because we're Jesus followers, right? So, yeah, maybe the rest of the world is acting like this, but... There's a problem. Why is there a problem? We, we're, we're followers of Jesus, and here's where the problem lies. The scriptures teach us different. They call us to something bigger. It says, love your neighbor as yourself, and this has always been the message. Always. It, it, it weaves itself through all of history, all of scripture. You can find it in the, Old, in the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the New Testament. The same phrase. Let's take a look at the Bible here. Leviticus 9.18 do not seek, this is a long, 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 long time ago. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's where it starts. So all those Hebrews, all those people that heard Jesus talk about it, they already knew. They'd heard this. This has been God's message. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's always been a part of it. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and mind. This is the first and greatest, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two. The people that heard Jesus say that, they knew that. They'd already been taught this their whole lives, to love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't, he didn't originate it. It wasn't new thought. It was a part of the whole message, and it always has been. Let that sink in for a second. Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, for the entire law is fulfilled. Incredible words. It's fulfilled. It's made right. It's done. You're doing it. It's happening. It's fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sheesh. So Derek talked about in the uh, 
in the Orbit series about hospitality, the idea of that it revolves around the, the outsider, the stranger, the alien. You really remember that? It really does. And when, G, when, when God first spoke those words about loving your neighbor as yourself, that's what he was meaning. We already know what a neighbor is, the person that lives next to us, but God always wanted it to include those outsiders, those strangers, those people that we come in, in, in contact with, right? From the time of Leviticus to the time of Matthew, all those religious people, those Pharisees, all the people that make up all the laws, they started making a billion laws, and they hijacked, the, they re, they hijacked relationships. They hijacked neighbor, and they changed it. And so in the culture of Jesus' day, when he was talking like that, the word neighbor sounded different to everybody else because they made it about them. They made it about our people. They made it about history and tradition and our country and our, our heritage. We, these are our neighbors. And they began to exclude the outsiders like the Sumerians. We're going to get into that in a second. And anyone that didn't think and live like them. So it was different. And guess what? We've done the same thing. I think today's culture, we've done the same thing. It's like we've actually forgotten who our neighbors are. I know I have. Maybe you haven't. But I'm telling you, I... I'm not, this, I'm not good at this stuff. All that time between Leviticus and Matthew, the word changed. It started out as a love of the outsider and the alien, and we humans turned it into all about me, us, and ours, and I think we're doing it now. Who is your neighbor? Did you know someone actually asked Jesus that question? Literally. Go to book of Luke, chapter 10. It's one of the most famous passages in the Bible, and it's, we've all heard it if we've been in church at all in our life. It's a good Samaritan story, right? Let's read this together real quick. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what I must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? How do you read it? This is, Jesus is awesome. He knows this guy's already, he already knows this guy's coming to test him, that he's an expert. So he's, and use this, I think this is awesome. When someone throws something at you about your faith that is challenging, flip it around and turn it into a question and throw it right back to him. Look what Jesus does. Well, how do you read it? What's written? So the guy, he, he got him. He's like, oh, he's going to try to tell Jesus. Listen to what happens. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The guy knew it. Jesus didn't have to say it. This guy knew it. They all knew it. But remember, he, it means something different to these, this era in, in Judea. You have answered correctly, Jesus said, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Let's go down this road. You ready? Jesus is about to blow the whole neighbor thing completely out of the water. The Bible's so cool if we just would read it. Um, a man was going down Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away. Leaving him half dead, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Priest, religious guy, skips it. Two, a Levite, also a very religious person, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came, sorry, blind eyes, remember, uh, was there. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. I said monkey in the first service. <laughs> I did. I read, and he put this man on his own monkey. I was like, wait a minute. That would actually be kind of sweet if he was like, monkey, we've got a guy down. Let's go. You know, hooray. Like, I mean, if I had a pet monkey, I would want it to be like something where you could like get him to do stuff like that, you know. Monkey, hurry. 
He put the man on his monkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day, the two, uh, the, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you. Are you seeing what's happening here? When all these three, do you, uh, well, then he said, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man that fell in the robbers? Uh, hand of the robbers. Expert said, the one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise. Okay. Whew, that's a lot. Jesus said, okay, you're an expert. Let me, t- let me redefine this whole thing for you. You know who your neighbor is? Yeah, it's the person next door to you. But it's also the people that you're going to encounter in life. And unfortunately, it's going to be messy. It might disrupt your life to love like this. It might, you might be working towards one thing, and now all of a sudden you have to stop what you're doing, and you have to love your neighbor. You might, have to, you might have to, okay, well, I can't do this right now because I have got to love them like I love my own self. They need it. This is the call. This is the command. So Jesus is like, it's not just what you've been trying to say. It's all of these things. It's all the stuff. God knows us, right? So where's Mike at? Mike, we were talking between the first service, and he gave me so much good stuff, got my brain rolling. So here's Jesus saying this stuff, but then here's, here's, our, here's our guy. Here's our Jesus. He actually lives it out. He lives out the love your neighbor. He fulfills it, and there's a, there's a million examples you can think of. Hey, remember Zacchaeus in the tree? Remember the, tech, the guy up in the tree? What does Jesus do? He has his, as he's going through life, neighbor, get down here. You're with me. But guess what? You know, you know, why, you know why Jews in that day hated tax collectors? You ever notice if you read your scripture, your Bible, it says uh, Jesus, they were mad with Jesus because he would hang out with, with tax collectors and sinners? I can tell you exactly why. What happened? You guys remember what happened when Jesus was a baby? They started killing all the babies. Do you remember this whole story? Those guys came, and they're like, there's a Savior born. Kill all the male sons. Kill them. Think about what that would have been like. So in Jesus' early life, there was an attack on his life. They just started wiping out babies. What would a culture feel about a group of people that wiped out babies? What if the, imagine that you lived in that or that happened here, that an occupying force just started taking our sons and murdering them when they were babies. Who would you hate more? Who, who would you hate more than those people, right? So fast forward 30 years, Jesus is on the, on the earth. Guess what a tax collector was? They were a Jew, or let's put it in our terms, they were an American that, that sided with the baby killers. And not only did they side with the baby killers that we hate, they start stealing from us too. Can you imagine the amount of intensity these people would have felt towards these tax collectors? What's Jesus do? He makes them the neighbor. Say, like, come on, man. You come down here with us. Amazing. Is Jesus not amazing? He flips everything around like that. This is the Savior. This is what Jesus is like. This is what he calls to us. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be messy. It might cost you something. Like he paid, look, you might have to bandage somebody's wounds emotionally too. Maybe you're going to have to be there for somebody. You're going to have to have patience. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to listen. I know that sounds hard, but what if we, what if we could start to function this way, Right? Left or our own devices, God knows we'll always lean into fall, fall into loving ourselves first. And I think that's why the challenge is so clear when he says that Jesus calls us to love those that are close as well as the neighbors we may encounter uh, as we walk through life. All right, 
So let's, let's get practical here. What are some, like, practical examples? I called, uh, some of you know Danny and Emily Strickland. I called Danny uh, at the fire station to ask him if I could talk about his family from the stage. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. If you know him, he, of course, he would be like, yeah, do whatever you want. But they're godly people. He, they're very involved in the church. Emily, they, she helps with worship. When we had kids, things going, she was that. Danny's very involved with the youth. Um, and so what you may not know about them is their, their parenting experience has been tough. Like, they're, they're one of their older children. They're, they've been through a lot. It's been very difficult. And, and different than mine experience, I don't know how that they stay so happy with some of the things that they have had to deal with as parents, right? So with that in your mind, we had asked Danny to help us with youth. Like, hey, can you lead the middle school boys uh, small group? And he was like, yeah. Well, he, we were just, he, somebody brought it up. He's like, yeah, Danny called and said he needs another month uh, because they, him and Emily just signed up for foster care. They're going to start doing foster care. So he just needs another month and then he'll kick in. And I'm like, What? So the thing that struggle with the most, they're going to go choose to do it for other kids, right? Who's more messed up than foster kids? They've been abandoned. They've been abused. What is Danny? They're, they're going to go, it's already been hard. What do they do? They go, they're like Jesus, they go find other neighbors, and they're going to pour themselves into somebody else. These are godly people. Let's be like that. Let's be like them, you know? Like I, they're probably not going to like me saying it like that, but really it's like how inspiring, but it's bigger than inspiring. It's bigger than being compassionate. It's the Jesus way, love your neighbor. We're followers of Jesus. Let's, let's, let's try to do this thing like that. So Sarah and I were talking, and I was telling her, like, you know, I got to get up and talk about the reverb and everything, and she, I was, like, trying to figure out what to get up here and say, and she was like, well, why don't you expand on the whole fruits of the Spirit thing, because I talked about that, and was like, the fruit, here's the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, against such, it finishes with against such thing there is no law, and I like that. It's like, the, there's, you can't stop the Spirit, the things that are born in a out of the spirit, like they're, they're unstoppable. There's no law that can contain them. And she's like, why don't you, I like that. Why don't you start thinking about that? So I sat down and I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go that direction. And then I just started thinking, I'm like, Sarah is the one that should be getting up here and talking about that because she actually lives like that. And I've watched her do it for over 23 years. If you know her, you, you know this to be true. She literally does this with so many people all the time. Many years ago, and there's a million examples of this, she had this one particular friend that was going through so much, and Sarah was constantly making time for her, spending hours on the phone with her, meeting up with her for coffee, helping getting the kids, her kids together with her, her kids, and it was like, I didn't, I didn't realize at the time, but I was actually discouraging my wife from functioning in God's gift. Husband of the year right there, you know, because it was irritating me. Like, it was costing her something. Sometimes she had to go away and be on the phone, or she would be gone longer than I would want her to be, and I would, I would complain. I was trying to get her to do the one thing she was to stop doing that she does best. She was, you know what, and it took months. This person came into her life, and Sarah made time for her when she needed it, and it was life-changing. Sarah, Sarah gave her the the patience. She gave her the love. She gave her the joy. Man. So I want to read you this super duper poetic quote. This is by Charles Spurgeon. It says, 
all beneath the moon will wane. Everything on these shores ebbs and flows like the sea. Everything beneath the sun will be eclipsed. You do not find you will you you not you will not find in time that which is only to be found in the eternal, namely the immutable and unfailing source of comfort. John fourteen. Who, who, what does Jesus say? The comfort. Who's the comforter? It's the Holy Spirit, right? What comes out of the comfort is doing that. Sometimes it costs you something, but we comfort people with love, joy, peace, patience. You can't stop the power in that lifestyle. Way to go, babe. <laughs> She's like, Jesus, okay. Um, yeah, so all that's, like we said, it was weird sometimes. Some of the interaction with this particular friend, but she, she's so steady. It would get weird. It would be awkward. She'd be uncomfortable. You know, and I'm like, so I just put that really uh, incredibly poetic quote up there. I was talking to Beth Harmon a little bit about today, and she said a quote in the staff meeting, and check, look how profound this is. Beth Harmon. Maybe it's always going to be weird. <laughs> You laugh because it's like, well, you just, the ebbs and flows like the sea. Maybe it's always going to be weird. But let's, let's think about this for a second. That is completely profound. Because what if she's right? What if this is just how this goes? It's always going to be weird. But are we going to let that stop us from what God's calling to us as loving our neighbors because it's weird and it's uncomfortable and we don't want to do it? No. Maybe it's always going to be weird. Let's just be okay with that. Let's just get it out. Like, this is weird. I don't even know my neighbor's last name. How am I going to have dinner with them? You know, but it's going to be awkward. But uh, who was saying it? Were you? Yeah. So we were talking. We were talking. I can't remember. They were telling me so much good stuff between services. We were talking about it, and what kind of came out was like, well, yeah. Well, you, your closest friend, you did, when you first met them, it was probably a little bit weird, Right? But you push through, and now they become like your best friend. And maybe that's how this whole thing goes. It's like they're going to be neighbors until they're family. Like, remember that cool quote Derek put up there? But it's going to be weird until we get to that place where we've spent enough time pushing through the weirdness. Come on, y'all. Let's push through the weirdness. Jesus is building the kingdom. We can handle a little bit of weirdness if he's doing that, right? So about 10 years ago, I was working, so I used to work for not that long a time. Clint's in here, uh, so he'll know about this a little bit. But I was working uh, at a rescue station downtown, um, rescue number 15. Um, keep saying I'm because I'm trying to make sure I don't cry telling the story. I'm just an emotional guy. Okay, i got to get it together. <laughs> so working downtown is a different animal for firemen and policemen there's a lot of home a lot of homelessness downtown a lot of homeless people around and i can tell you this because i've seen it with my own eyes no one is more compassionate to homeless people than police officers you would think that would not be the case but they deal with them so much and i have watched them patiently still treat them like people it's amazing and firemen too but i'm saying that because of the experiences i've seen but working down there is tough and there's a lot of high call volume, a lot of poverty, a lot more low, lower end communities in parts of downtown. So we're working at Rescue 15, and I'm not really into it. It's been a terrible day. The guys on engine number nine, which is on Main Street, are just been getting beat all day, all night. We're running calls. It starts, it's terrible weather, heavy duty rain all, 
all day into the night. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. Call comes in for a chest pain. We go down, uh, down near 48th and Pearl, I think it was. There was a, a, a homeless black man sitting underneath a, a tree. It's pouring down rain. Cops are, are there, and they're like, hey, we found him over here. And we walk up to him, and everybody's just gassed, right? Nobody was mean to him. It's just we're tired, we're soaking wet, and it's like we, he stopped being a person. And homeless people get treated that way anyway, don't they? They're just they're homeless. We, we've taken the humanity out of, out of them. They're just homeless people. And to be honest, I, I did it right then for sure. Like I was just, I just didn't want to be there. I was tired. So we just scooped this guy up and everyone was nice to him, but just kind of did the same thing. Like just ignore him. They put him on the stretcher. We do all our things, treated him very well, but just not a lot of interaction, right? So I get in the thing, I drive the ambulance to Shans and they come in, we load him into the thing and he's just a broken man. Like you can see it, you can sense it, but I didn't care because I was tired and I was a mess and I wanted to love myself. So I didn't care. I'm just being honest with you. I, I knew it. I could see it. He was a broken man. and I, I was too busy loving myself to notice. And, it's, and the craziest thing, the nurses and the doctors were in the same mode. It was the middle of the night. They're doing a great job, but they're just going to work, you know? Like, it's just work right now. It's not a person that we're dealing with. And all of a sudden, and I'm outside the room, and I'm cleaning the stretcher off because we, we, we clean everything afterwards. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm overhearing, I'm close, and I hear one of the nurses go, does anyone have any idea what this guy's name is? And as soon as she said that, I felt God. Because I, I heard his name when we were loading him up. His name was Reginald Waltz. So when she said that, I felt God's presence in my heart, and I just yelled out, his name is Reginald Waltz. And when I said that, I saw him sit up and look at me. We, we looked at each other, and tears just started pouring out of his face. God, let me be his neighbor for just a little bit. I'll never forget his name. When you give people the dignity of their humanity, even outsiders, aliens, sinners, addicts, oh, man, homeless when you give them back their dignity of their humanity, you invite them back into the space where they reverb and the echo of grace begins to wash over them and they can be in that place where they can hear God say, I made you in my image. You're mine. This is what Jesus calls us to, right? Let's, let's, put, let's feed people in our homes like Derek says. Let's, let's feed them spiritual fruit like Sarah does. Let's be okay with it when it gets weird like, like Beth says. Let's remember that Jesus is the perfect example of what he teaches. He comes and fulfills it. And then he does the ultimate thing. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? What did Jesus say was the greatest form of love? He who lays his life down for his friends. That's what Jesus does. He, he makes us friends and then he gives his life on the cross. we need to pray. I got to get off the stage. So please stand. Father, we worship you and we honor you, God. And we thank you, God, that you call us to love our, neighbor, our neighbors as ourselves. And you're the greatest example of it, God. We just pray that you move in our hearts. Call us, Father. Let us hear that call of the Holy Spirit. 
give us strength to do this even when it's hard and we feel weak. In Jesus' name.